0: Hi, I'm Re, And I'm Jamie Lynn. And you're listening to most, most Evil, evil guy, guy, a fan cast about the show Barry on HBO.
1: uh We are at, both in Cheese Comas right now. Yeah. <laughs> I just had some superb cabbage cheddar.
0: Yeah. Lactose free. Heck yeah.
1: But- <laughs> yes, I have got some tummy troubles.
0: <laughs> <laughs> who doesn't? <laughs> right. Interestingly, I had a dental cleaning the other day and the dental hygienist who took way too long. It was an hour and a half for a dental oh my cleaning God. because she apparently could not work and talk at the same time. Oh, so every then time just don't talk. Every time she wanted to tell me a story, she took her hands out of my mouth. No. Yeah. And proceeded to tell me all about her FODMAP issues in okay. great detail. She told you her IBS story. I've never met this woman before. <laughs> oh my god,
1: she did! <laughs> oh man, be careful. IBS survivor. Be
0: careful what you wish for.
1: <laughs> we asked for it, we put it out into the universe. I
0: did. Oh, I have regrets because <laughs> it took so long. Oh yeah. geez. Anywho. That's miserable. <laughs> Sorry. You know, that actually kind of plays into the title of this (laughs) week's episode, which is loud, fast, and keep going. (laughs) Oh, man. Um,
1: (laughs) This is, like, a bummer of an episode.
0: It is. Directed by Alec Berg and written by Liz Sarnoff.
1: Liz Sarnoff, you might know her from uh, her work on Deadwood... Uh, From her work on Lost, she also worked on, um, well, co-created Alcatraz.
0: uh, So she's got all these really amazing drama writing credentials. And it looks like she was nominated for an Emmy for this episode.
1: Yes, and Bill Hader won an Emmy for this episode for his acting.
0: Good for him. Mm -hmm. He deserved it because this episode, this episode and the next episode are fucking bummers i don't, I can't think of another <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's not a better way it. to say it that's,
1: that's basically it i yeah. mean it starts with a bum rush <laughs> and uh, it ends with a bummer <laughs> yeah that's for sure
0: okay should we get into yeah. the synopsis of this episode
1: speaking of bum rush okay so we pick up like two or three minutes before the end of the previous episode
0: yeah which is really great it is i like that idea
1: it keeps you in suspense for like the whole first two and a half minutes because you still don't know what the fate of everybody in the car was like Mm -hmm. you're assuming that vaughn and taylor are dead because they got shot in the head but you don't know what the deal is with barry and with chris yeah so they have the the leaving on a jet plane song playing yeah (laughs) which is a really
0: fun some john denver uh, i think it's john denver right i have no idea james taylor (laughs) They're literally the same person to me. I know they're not. John James Denver Taylor. (laughs) (laughs) But Um, I actually do, I like that juxtaposition of, like, you know, we get, like, some nice, easy listening music, and (laughs) Cristobal Cifuentes gets off the plane, and he's just, like hey, you know. Like, so sunny
1: and like, yeah. he's like, a, he's just got like a mild disposition.
0: Yeah. Um, it's a real contrast to how the last episode ended.
1: It is. And and to how things are going to go in just a minute here. Yeah. Uh, which is that, of course, Taylor and Vaughn, I'm doing the, dragging the finger across the neck. <laughs> They're dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the sound effect, yeah. right? Not, not, I don't know what that would be. <laughs>
0: <laughs> if they were like Pez dispensers and their heads popped open. I don't know.
1: Something like that. And so Barry and Chris were in the vehicle, it rolled over, they had to escape, and they ran away because, you know, the guys were already on the tarmac. Well, it's not really tarmac, it's like the middle of the desert. Yeah. Anyway, so one of the henchmen tracks down Barry um, and is about to execute him, and Chris comes in in the clutch and shoots the henchman. Meanwhile, you've got this really fun conversation between the mafia leader Cristobal Cifuentes and Goran they're like trying to overcome this misunderstanding where basically Cristobal is angry that they took the stash house and he killed a bunch of his guys and Goran is like I got some bad information about you and they seem like they're come to an agreement and then of course they can't you know they're in a an untenable position so basically Goran has you know a target on his back at this point and so do his guys so they're at war uh that's how that ends now believing that Barry died in this, you know, bum shooting, bum yeah. rush, car rollover incident, NoHo Hank tells Fuchs this information, and Fuchs has a meltdown. Like, I mean, Barry does mean something to him. We can talk about that later.
0: Yeah, let's definitely talk about that.
1: Yeah, and while that's going on, you've got uh, Detective Moss listening to a tapped phone conversation between the two of them, Sifuentes
0: um, Cifu- uh, and uh, Pizar. It's not clear to me whose phone has been tapped. Yeah. I mean, obviously, he just came from Bolivia, so it couldn't be his. Yeah. So, I guess they were tapping Goron's phone, but I don't know when that would have happened. No idea. Yeah.
1: It is unknown. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. so the police are listening to uh, that phone call between Cristobal and Goran, and Moss, who has long suspected Barry, basically says, "All right, this is our pr- this puts him as our prime
0: suspect." Well, I think she suspected the acting class. I'm not sure that oh, she yeah. really zeroed in on Barry before. That's but true. Hearing them say that they were military men, yes, is where she yeah she just goes to the board and is like, "It's got to be Barry."
1: Yep, back to her murder board. So yeah, Barry's now prime suspect in her mind uh, because of his background, and the police find a copy of <laughs> of kusino's book a <laughs> mm-hmm. taylor's apartment and if you remember like the chain of custody of this book was ryan gave it to barry yeah. barry well inadvertently taylor left it. taylor took taylor, it taylor took
0: it out of his bag exactly yeah. he
1: signed his own you know yep. um well i mean he was dead already but he signed his own warrant there yep. and that flips things in an instant and suddenly taylor is suspect to uno
0: yep so barry makes it out of this situation in the desert with chris mm-hmm. and he's heading to acting class he makes it there and he's i mean it looks like shit this whole episode <laughs> he really looks like shit <laughs> which is like great kudos to the makeup people yeah because it did not look like makeup he just looked absolutely bedraggled haggard yeah yeah he has been through it <laughs> when he gets to acting class Sally tells him that, like, they found money at the theater. Uh Uh-oh. You know, (laughs) he didn't know about that. And that... Vasha was killed and so now they know it's, you know, the Chechen Mafia and that they suspect it's Ryan. And this is all news to Barry.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It makes me think of that um, Lisa Kudrow and Friends, I know you're not a Friends person, but she's like, this is all new information and it's not information. (laughs) It's all brand new information.
0: But I actually love this moment. I just want to editorialize here for a sec. So Sally tells him all this and this is news to him but he's just like, what? And then she goes, oh, and we changed your line and i'm Macbeth now and then he goes what and it just made me think of hank's line from a couple episodes ago little what leads to big what for full effect and that's exactly what they did oh my god i missed that yeah so, they use okay. that for comedic effect right here. Oh, great. Oh, my God. So, they're rehearsing, and, you know, Barry is obviously preoccupied. Chris keeps calling him. Barry is very preoccupied, and so he's really struggling. He looks like shit. Jean thinks that Barry's on drugs, and they have a conversation about that. <laughs> a reasonable assumption. He looks like he's on drugs. Mm-hmm. But, again, in a testament to everybody's uh, self-absorption, he goes, look, you you even have blood in your hair. And Barry's like, oh, God, you know. But, like, Jean just thinks, like, that's due to drugs. It's just crazy. (laughs) What drug does that? (laughs) So, later, you know, Chris will not stop calling Barry. And Barry meets up with him. And, you know, they have this whole conversation, which we'll definitely come back to. I just kind of want to highlight it now. But... There's a lot to talk about there. But, you know, Chris basically says, like, he wants to turn himself in. He, want, he wants them to go to the cops. And yep. when it becomes clear that Barry is not going to do that, Chris says, I will turn myself in. I won't tell them anything about you. And Barry, you know, says, we're linked. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at that point, Chris sort of realizes the situation he's in and tries to backtrack. Yep. But ultimately, Barry decides that he has to kill Chris. Mm. Like we said, bummer. Yeah. After doing this unthinkable
1: act, Barry goes back to the community center. <laughs> and again, we talked a lot of, in the past about the high stakes, low stakes, and we'll talk more about it later, but goes back to the very high stakes world of yeah. like local <laughs> acting, local theater. It's not even regional theater, it's like hyper local acting class showcase. Anyway, long story short. Uh, it's, it's literally
0: people <laughs> who pay to be there.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, they didn't so- like
0: audition to be there or anything.
1: The class is all hyped because uh there's supposed to be agents there. It's gonna be a who's who. An agent uh that she invited is there. And
0: from Gersh. (laughs) Gersh is here.
1: (laughs) Dan Bellman from Gersh. Uh and she is like, please give me something that I can sink my teeth into, like, wants to be able to impress this agent. So she's looking to Barry to be her scene partner and make that happen. But Barry is like, you know, obviously traumatized and guilty and like a whole bunch of other things and he's in his own world in the wings and melts down basically
0: yeah
1: and then his cue comes and goes on stage and just nails his line
0: it's so upsetting yeah. it is
1: incredibly upsetting and nobody in the room nobody in the room knows what's going on except for him and they all read it as this like really deep emotional performance sally uses that as a springboard into her own amazing you know performance and afterwards barry gets that like much needed praise but it comes at a time that it's like he can't enjoy it at all and he's overwhelmed with guilt he's lashing out he's smashing things in the dressing room Mm -hmm. and then sally comes in and thanks him profusely like yeah yeah like profusely yes for his contribution and his quote generosity in the scene and basically says whatever you did to get there like that's your process you will keep doing that
0: which is hilarious to us the audience and traumatizing (laughs) to barry
1: (laughs) yes and yeah uh, i won't even start there because we'll we'll dive in later but so we we end with barry alone on the stage staring out into empty seats
0: yeah i think that's a good way to end the song I, because he seems very, like, shell-shocked for this entire episode, yeah. and so that just makes sense. Like, he's he's <laughs> not really making a lot of conscious choices at this point. That's such
1: a good point, and something that you said uh, last episode or the episode before was that up until, it must have been last episode, up until literally those bullets coming through the window, you know, Barry thinks I can get out of this situation. Yeah. Like, he's confident that he can... and. A, that's been completely disproven, <laughs> and B, all this other traumatic stuff happened to yeah. disprove
0: it. Okay, to start with, I think, let's talk about what happens with Chris. Let's just start with, like, the lowest point of that. I know. <laughs> Ugh, there's so many layers. And, may- and, and maybe we can go up from here. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to end on that note, you no. know. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so first of all, Chris Marquette, who plays Chris Lucado, did an amazing job here. Like, I, hearing him just sort of plead with Barry, like, really upsets me. Yeah. Like, it's just very upsetting. It's interesting, like, listening to Bill Hader talk about, like, writing this episode and acting mm-hmm. this scene, because he's very, like, upbeat about it, because <laughs> he, just, he, made, he just made this up.
1: Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's, it's not real. To him. <laughs> it's not real.
0: It's fine. But like to those of us who watch it and take yeah. it apart, it's so traumatizing. And the
1: f- funny, not funny, haha, huh, but like the interesting thing to me is that you know, he has that positivity around it cuz it's such a good story decision and so unexpected yeah. and so like it defies what you think is going to happen. And and that's part of why it like sticks in your craw so much. Um, and also because, like, he's breaking his code in, like, this really, like, devastating way. It's just, uh, it's just such a bummer. But, I mean, kudos to him and the writing team (laughs) for, like, figuring out what they were going to do. And, like, I don't know about you, but, like, the first time I watched this episode, afterwards, I thought, after that scene, where are they possibly going to go from here? Because up to then, you still have, like, a little bit of goodwill for Barry, even if he's not a good guy.
0: I don't know. So, (laughs) I, I want to bring in the behind-the-scenes video, and yeah. I'll link this on socials, but Alec Berg talks about this being, like, Barry's refusal to kill the bad part of him, quote-unquote, mm-hmm. which would be Taylor. Yep. So he refused to kill Taylor, right? Because Taylor's a Marine, and mm-hmm. that's going against Barry's code. We established that. Yes. But Taylor is ostensibly a bad guy. He is violent. He's impulsive. He's, he has bloodlust, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, so... But Barry still refuses to kill him. So Chris embodies everything that Barry wishes for. It's what his daydreams are about. You know, it's that nuclear family. It's settling down. Yeah. It's having that stability. And Alec Berg basically said, in refusing to or failing to kill Taylor, the bad part of him... Barry now is put in a position where he has to kill the good part of him, the thing he aspires to be. Oh, goosebumps. I know! It's so clever and heart-wrenching. It's
1: also, like, reminds me of something we talked about last episode or two episodes ago, that Hater really idolizes Kurosawa and his process and, like, his whole thing about writing a character. You need to write with multiple people so you can have facets of characters. And at the same time, other characters around you can represent parts of the main character so hey that was very validating to hear yeah <laughs> pretty much and, confirms that theory yeah and like just the way he put it just, it just just makes it even more like philosophically sad yeah than just like human sad yeah and then the performance in that scene honestly like so uh hater won an emmy for acting for this episode and like you can see why you mm-hmm. know chris needs one too <laughs> oh, definitely, yeah. I wonder if you know it's uh, was too not late, late or anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: I know we're a little behind the curve on this, but <laughs> yeah, like I don't
1: know. Like one of the things that stood out to me is there was a point in the conversation with Chris where Barry basically starts like looking out the window, yeah, and like he's beginning to disengage from his human connection with chris i think
0: yeah no i think you're right so yeah as that conversation well first of all it starts out we get a little more establishment on chris because he mm-hmm. says i've never had to kill anybody before right oh we should back up just a little bit to say as they're escaping through the desert chris has to shoot the bolivian henchmen that came after them mm-hmm. but he did that with extreme goading from barry barry yeah. was P- begging him Chris 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 yeah like you have to shoot him and y- Chris was very hesitant to the point where he dropped the muzzle of the gun at least once like, yeah he was not into it so he's telling Barry in the scene like I I would never had to kill anybody when we were over there I was in logistics so we get this you know idea now that mm-hmm. Chris is a pogue <laughs> <laughs> for Jeez, the uninitiated the <laughs> for the uninitiated what does that mean Okay, a pogue is a person other than grunt. That's just, like, <laughs> the old-school abbreviation for that. It's basically anybody who's not, like, infantry. Yeah. It's just, like,
1: l- like derogatory, but, like, the way you would make fun of your brothers or sisters.
0: <laughs> it's like the desk jockey, the yeah, paper pusher. desk pilot of. in the Air Force. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but that gives us a better idea of, like, for one, I think it gives us a better idea of why Chris is so bent out of shape about this whole situation. Mm-hmm. He is not a stone cold killer like Barry. He's yep. never killed anybody before. Yeah. He was a Marine, but he was in logistics, which is honestly super important. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> and he probably got an excellent civilian job after. But yeah. <laughs> It just, it explains why he's having this visceral reaction to the situation in yeah. a way that Barry and Taylor and Vaughn did not and would not. One of the things that Chris says to Barry, as he's kind of getting worked up about, like, ha- not having killed anybody before and, like, mm-hmm. this being the first time, and he's upset that they left Taylor and Vaughn behind, which is, like, I, I get the emotion behind that, but it's, like, what are you completely do? impractical. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Your car is upside down full of bullet holes. Like, you can't... There's nothing you can do. But one of the things he says to Barry is, you made me do it. Which is... I don't... It's kind of fucked up. Like, if you think about Barry tried to get him out of the car. Yes. And we do know that taylor for whatever reason didn't give chris like the full scope right. of what was happening um but it was still a choice chris made to be in the car It wasn't a fully informed choice he right. just thought they were going to quote unquote scare some guys but he's aware of who taylor is that was my other point so he he was a pogue (laughs) and i think that also explains too why he's been sort of okay with taylor and bond's behavior this Mm -hmm. whole time because it's never carried consequences for him not real consequences right and so i think that's why he was like willing to go along with this like much like barry who thinks he's always going to find a way out of the situation yeah chris kind of had sort of a false confidence in this situation.
1: And his, like, whole frame of reference is this, like, safe domestic life. So for him, these are, like, little ventures outside of that, and he's always able to go home at the end of the night.
0: Yes, you're right.
1: And now he has to carry this thing where if he were to go home, if Barry were to let him go home, like he says, my wife is going to know something's wrong the instant that I walk in. And that is something that Barry does not have. Barry doesn't have that person where when he's going to come home, uh, you know comes home they're gonna say oh like you look a little bit down like what's wrong like
0: no because fuchs never says that to him fuchs nope. doesn't care about barry's internal state no and two when barry has literally said to people i've killed people no then one they ca- don't listen yeah no one cares yeah it like, goes <laughs> in one ear and out the other yeah. and people
1: assume that he's yeah it's crazy like it really nobody is there for barry and like that's part of what's sad to me yeah But at the same time, like, you can't, you can't kill Chris. Like,
0: you can't do that. So, I mean, Barry does, at first, Barry tries to de-escalate him because Chris is, like, up here, he's freaking out, he's never done this, you know, they left them there, let's, you know, what can we do? You made me do this. Barry tries to de-escalate him. Yep. And then, like you said, so then Chris suggests that they go to the cops. Like, he can't live with us, his wife's gonna know something's wrong, they gotta go to the cops and you're right at that point like you kind of see Barry start disengaging because he's running the calculus mm-hmm. of how practical is this yeah we can't go to the cops what do you think we were doing there you know like and, and and he he even tries to scare him like the guys i work for they'll go after your family they'll kill your family yeah which i don't know if that's necessarily true it could be true
1: it could be yeah but but, but it's like he also paints it as like and then a bunch of people are gonna die basically saying like yeah. if you go to the cops a bunch more people will die yeah he's trying to appeal to that like
0: whether that consequence is real or not right he's trying to convince him of that yep so barry tries to deescalate chris is really steadfast he's like i cannot live like this mm-hmm. and barry he sees barry isn't really budging on it either though so he's like i'm i'll turn myself in you know i'll just say my part of it and barry's like this is where you really see him, mm-hmm. like, start to shift. And he's like, Chris, we're, you know, we're linked on Facebook. Like, yep. people that fucking
1: Facebook, man. I know.
0: And that's, I actually wrote in my notes here, like, why doesn't he unlink himself from Chris after this? Good question. You know, and Chris says, like, I don't care. I'm coming clean. And this is where Barry gets really upset, like, really angry. And he's like, why did you say that? Because... At that point for him, like, the choice has been made. Right. And he's like, I told you to get out of the car, man. Like, and that line is delivered so sadly and so oh, resigned.
1: Yes. The sense of resignation in his voice where yeah. he, Barry feels like he has to do this. Yeah. When in reality, it's a choice. You know? Right.
0: Yeah. He doesn't feel like he does because his choice is go to prison yeah, or let Chris, like, let Chris live and go to prison.
1: And that's such a fundamental difference between, like, him and Chris and the way that they view justice and the world is, like, Chris flat out says, if I have to do time, that's okay. Mm -hmm. Like, he's willing to accept the consequence. Yeah. And Barry is not. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, also, realistically, the consequence for Barry might not be prison. It might be he gets killed by someone else. But
0: Or killed yeah. by someone else in prison.
1: There you go. You can have your king and eat it, too.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. And that's where, you know, as Chris sort of recognizes that he's in the car with mm-hmm. Barry, who's a hitman. You know, what do you think I do for a living? Then he starts kind of backtracking on the things that he said already, which is, like, I told my wife I was going to the gym. She doesn't even know I'm meeting you. Like, you know, Chris realizes he's, like, laid these breadcrumbs Uh for Barry that uh, he's, like, oh, shit. Like, he can kill me. Yep. He's, like,
1: desperately grasping at straws to try and, like, convince Barry that this is not going to work
0: out well for him. And suddenly it's, you know, you're a good guy It went from, you made me do this, to you're a good guy. Yep. We don't know which one Chris really believes, but I'm going to say it's probably not, you're a good guy. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I uh, imagine the shock, too. Like, imagine the shock of finding out that someone you worked with, or in this case, like, you know, they served together, is a hitman. Like, how all that lands at once, and it lands in the aftermath. Like, I just can't imagine how much in shock he must be.
0: Well, he even says, like, why did you Facebook me, man?
1: You're a hitman?
0: like why Why are you you... on facebook to begin with is a good question yeah (laughs) it is it's a question we've been asking ourselves all season but
1: (laughs) really the moral of the most evil guy for this entire thing is mark zuckerberg (laughs) 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 just kidding mark zuckerberg
0: (laughs) (laughs) my last note my last note about this scene Is basically, this is just me nitpicking again, but, you know, we see, and this is so powerful too, I love how we don't, we often don't directly see people get killed on this show. Mm -hmm. They find these really creative shots and ways to put us in the action, but we don't have to, like, see it directly. And with Chris, it's the same way, where, you know, we just see Barry kind of reach down and put his hand over Chris's hands on the steering wheel and shoot him. But the thing is, (laughs) this is where I'm going to get nitpicky. When we leave the shot to go outside of the car, Mm -hmm. Chris is fully turned towards Barry. So he's facing out the passenger side window and Barry puts the gun to the center of Chris's forehead. And then we exit the car. So we're outside looking back at the vehicle. When he shoots Chris, the driver's side window, so behind Chris, explodes but the blood splatter is on the front windshield.
1: Huh. Okay, <laughs> this is where all of your hours <laughs> of true crime documentaries come to it fruition. Just,
0: <laughs> Paul Holes would be so proud. But <laughs> it just it just drove me a little bit nuts. Like, I would expect some mm-hmm. blood splatter on the front window, sure. Yeah. But the way that they... The pattern of it is very, like, there's a center point and yeah, it's an like outward splatter. Yeah. So, anyway. It's just very nitpicky. <laughs> But it really bothered uh, me. <laughs>
1: uh, I did not pick up on that one iota. Not even a little bit. We're and, very different uh, people. Well, the thing is, like, the, the thing that that s- uh, stuck with me about that scene being a bummer was that because he staged it like a suicide. Yeah. I was just like, I mean, like, uh, we, I'm a veteran. I used to work in veteran services. Like, Barry knows that what he's doing is going to fit a narrative that is just going to make sense to so many people. Yeah. They'll never ask another question about it. Right.
0: And I was like, oh, that's a... Especially, yeah. I mean, almost especially because he's like, my wife knew something was up with me, you know? Yep. Like, I said I was going to the gym. Yep. You already
1: know that he's been in a program for, you know, transitioning veterans. Yep. Like. Which is where he met Taylor. Yep.
0: Yeah. I know. It sucks all the way around, but mm. I'm just like, also, who kills themselves by shooting themselves directly in the forehead? Could you even? It's so um. awkward.
1: It would have to be like a really shine. You can't see us yeah. right now. <laughs> <laughs> We're trying it out. <laughs> I guess. I guess you. You'd have to like. Uh, my finger grip isn't good enough from that direction so this is okay so
0: this is the point i'm making here yeah. <laughs> the forensics on this is suspicious, right yes yeah but i think that you're right because mm-hmm. we have this other narrative that we can point to that he was a veteran that he yep. was you know clearly had some struggles in the past mm-hmm. that i think any lazy or disengaged police department is just gonna go case what closed. a shame yeah case closed yep exactly so yeah
1: yeah <sighs> that and uh, that's just the acting is phenomenal oh and you know we we like to watch all the behind the scenes stuff and listen to all the podcasts on the subject of violence like you were talking about like it's never like sexy it's never like cool they make it really grim and yeah. one of the things that alec Burger said is like their goal was to make it look like security camera footage just like oh, that like you know it's not slick cool angles it's yeah. just like real life violence basically yeah oh and then uh chris's performance like you said like is phenomenal wish we could get him an emmy somehow um retroactive
0: (laughs) yeah just
1: petition the emmy people i guess mr emmy
0: (laughs) let's just make him one like out of clay and send it to him (laughs) you deserve this uh
1: we we could call it the mosty the most evil guy (laughs) he's he's so fantastic and bill Hader even said That he was getting nauseous watching Chris get worked up in that scene. I believe it.
0: Can you imagine being in a car that close with someone and just having them? I mean, he hurts my heart. Yeah. Like, just, it's so sad. I would get sick, too.
1: His pain is so, like, oh, it's like, it's not even at the surface. It's, like, spewing off of him because he's thinking about his wife. He's thinking about
0: his kid. He can't contain it. No. He just can't. He's like, I can't live like this. I'm just, and he is just freaking out about it. Yep. I feel like bill Hader must be a really empathetic person oh i i want to give get, him a hug to get nauseous like that over yeah him, you know what i mean like yep. yeah i i get it
1: I, I feel like that's probably why he's so immensely talented at like acting and imitating people yeah i think he he probably gets people i think he's very very wise i don't know <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's just when he wears that lindsey buckingham wig that's true <laughs> But anyway, in the sum, <laughs> R.I.P. Chris, you were yeah. great, and oh. you will be missed. Heartbreaking. <sighs> so, leaving the scene with Chris, I love that Barry's, like, internal sense of duty is so mm. ingrained in him that he's like, now I go to acting class.
1: Uh, yeah, like, everything's totally normal. Yeah.
0: I mean, it's Ugh. not, though. Like, we can yeah. see in him. He was already really ragged when he was at practice earlier in the day. I mean, to the point where... Gene thought he was on drugs, (laughs) but if he thought he was bad then, he's in really rough shape now. Yeah, I actually want to talk about his journey there Mm
1: -hmm. because
0: he falls asleep in the cab, and he has a dream. Yeah, and we've seen him dream one other time on the show. He was knocked out in the stash house. Yeah. Yeah, and in this dream. It's, it sort of follows a reversal of the normal formula, which is, like, we get something very, like, emotionally earnest, and then they cap it with a joke. Yeah. And instead, we see it's somewhat emotionally earnest. Like, you know, he's envisioning what he kind of uses this, like, perfect scene between <laughs> him and Sally, which is much in, like, very style, like, very wooden. <laughs> um, yeah. And, like, you know... He, he seems, like, really self-confident in his acting abilities, though, but it's, the scene itself is, like, very funny, because just the way he, like, raises his eyebrows and, like, lurks back into the <laughs> shadows, and you're just kind of like, what is happening? But then, so that, like, more humorous take on it is then punctuated by his memory of shooting Chris. Mm-hmm. So instead of it being, like, the funny thing that sort of zoops us out of the dream yep. or the daydream, it's... this this reality. Yeah, it's this horrible thing that wakes him up. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's a great observation. I I don't think I, like, put that together, that it's, it's reversed. Yeah.
0: And I think, I mean, kind of going back to what we were talking about with Chris sort of being the embodiment of what Barry wants for himself, his fantasy, and now he has destroyed that, it's almost like he can't have his daydream. It's, it's like, I mean, really, dis- this is the first time you see despair on
1: Barry, like, yeah, because uh, he's killed the good version of himself. You know, there's not yeah. hope. Um, and okay, also the scene is really funny because of like the really stilted accents and inflection that that Sally uses and he uses. It's so <laughs> funny, and it reminds me of watching the old Shakespeare things that would be on like PBS in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: yeah so sally gets worked up backstage because daniel melvin from gersh is there (laughs) she invited him and he came i can't imagine how hellish it is being an agent like it must just be awful you have to sit through all these stinky (laughs) (laughs) acting class community theater productions just like hoping to find a diamond in the rough (laughs) But anyway, so, you know, Sally's really worked up because the agent's there, and she's really trying to get another agent ever since Mike dropped her because she wouldn't sleep with him, Mm. and he wasn't actually her agent anyway. Once Barry does arrive, and he looks like hell, and he's not in costume, he's like, I didn't know I needed a costume, and she, like, throws a jacket at him, and, you know, is trying to be like, this is really important to me, I need you to do this. Like, it's all about her. Right. As always. This is maybe the least feminist thing of me ever, but I hate that woman. <laughs> I hate that character. <laughs> Sarah just, Goldberg is a revelation. Yeah, I just want to be clear. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and he's uh, somewhat comedically and exasperatingly, he's just like, what? Like, he wasn't <sighs> hearing her at all. He's still trapped in his own shit. Yeah. So, Sally gets out there and just stinks. I wrote, like, <laughs> Sally stinks. <laughs> she, it's like she's never acted before. Yeah. And, like granted the bar is really low in this class, (laughs) but, and Barry's backstage, meanwhile, just playing out this whole litany of images in his head. he's stewing, like. Well, yeah, he's seeing, like, him taking the picture of Chris's family on the boardwalk, and then Mm -hmm. he cuts this with this imagined, imagined scene of Chris's wife getting a phone call, which I'm pretty sure is not how they would tell you that your spouse has been murdered. I, I have no idea. I think the police would come to your house because yeah. also they want to see your reaction when they tell you your spouse has been murdered. Oh, good um, point. See, this is why, yeah, <laughs> you're a forensic expert here. So, so but he's got this imagined scene of her getting a phone call, you know, and... and just, breaking down and then the kid coming in and saying mom what's wrong and then the funeral and someone's handing her a flag mm-hmm. but like the pieces of the scene kind of flip back and forth so like she's getting yeah. a phone call it's the funeral like it's flipping around to the point where he just gets so worked up that he's like crying and just freaking out and like you know shoving things around backstage and like by the time his line cues, and he walks out. He's so worked up, yeah. And like, Chris has died, and so when he delivers this line about the queen being dead to mm. Sally/slash/Macbeth, it's like he feels it, the audience feels it, and Sally feels it. Mm-hmm. And Sally, being the emotional succubus that she is. <laughs>
1: going to say, like, something about her being, like, a talented uh, intuitive actor or
0: something. (laughs) Emotional succubus. (laughs) She, I mean, this is what's gross to me, is she immediately feeds off of that. She couldn't create that for herself, Mm -hmm. but she fed off of it. And suddenly, her, and, like, my notes on this were, like, so, Barry's emotion spurs Sally on, and she seems to hear the words that she's saying for the first time. Because mm-hmm. before, it was that usual, like, high school Shakespeare stuff where... Recitations. Yeah, yeah, the person who's saying it doesn't know what the words mean. Yep. It's very flat. They're just saying the words, and they're, like, hoping that the audience it. <laughs> Sounds good. It's like a David Lynch movie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's like she, fi- she, like, finally hears it. And you can see as she's sort of going through the rest of this monologue Mm -hmm. she's really thinking about what she's saying for the first time to the point where when the lights go down after her last line she's startled she actually startles like she has gotten completely lost in the moment yeah she's Um, really present Yeah, for, like, the first time, as much as she's been saying, like, I need to do something dramatic and, like, you know, I'm the best actor in this class. It's, like, she wasn't, though. Yeah. She wasn't until somebody else gave her something she could feed off of.
1: Yes, that's such a good point. Like, an emotional succubus. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so she's, like, over the moon about this, right? She could feel it. She felt the improvement in her performance. She puts it down to Barry's generosity as a performer, and she does a complete 180. She was very, very pissed at him before
0: yeah. and is now effusively praising him and thanking him.
1: Right, um, because that
0: agent showed interest in her. Yep. Had it not gone that way, she would have been blaming Barry just like she yep. did during practice. Yep, Exactly. such a good point i really think we're gonna get to a point in this show where we as the audience realize that sally is just as bad as barry it's just different like they they have come to express their awfulness in different ways but they are both awful people i cannot equality (laughs) yeah (laughs) feminism
1: um uh, honestly, like so much of feminism is being allowed to be like a shitty person. <laughs> yeah, when, when you're a woman, absolutely. Like that's a like you know uh, more
0: unlikable female characters. Bring them on. I mean, that's why I I really do love Sally as a character. I mm-hmm. don't want her to change or do anything dramatic as a character because yeah. I think she is the perfect fit for this show. Yeah. However. I can still hate who she is as a person. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: (laughs) And I cannot wait for season four. We won't talk about what happened beyond, you know, this episode. But I cannot wait for season four to see what her character does. I really
0: wonder, too. Yep. Yeah. So just to kind of cap the showcase, Jean comes in to see Barry and is like, wow, you know, your process is so... (laughs) You, like, really went there. And Barry is still, like, in the thick of feeling his emotions about Chris. And so he, like, freaks out. He, like, breaks. I think it's, like, a little glass thing. He, like, punches it. Yeah, like a
1: mirror or something.
0: Yeah. And then he, like, throws a chair. And Jean's just sort of like, I see you're still in that place. And, like, kind of backs out. And I'm kind of sad because we don't see a whole lot of Jean this episode. Yeah. Like... You know, we see a little bit of him at rehearsal and then a little bit of him at the showcase, but we don't really get a lot of Gene's wisdom like we normally do.
1: It is very funny to me that when, you know, he kind of sneaks out to let Barry continue having his actor fit, which is what he interprets interprets it Yeah, with, uh, he's okay with it. Because I think he, and partly he wants to get out of the way, right? Yeah. But like, it seems to me partly that like, this is accepted.
0: Like, if you give a good performance totally. on stage,
1: you are allowed to trash the dressing yes. room.
0: Yes. I absolutely agree. <laughs> like, this is where Gene comes from, where it's yeah. like, this is part of the process. And I think that's probably why he puts up with Sally being so insufferable oh. and demanding. because it's, it's for like, her art. Yeah, totally. They're like, you just have to go to places to get these things. <laughs> and yeah, anyway. What's interesting to me is like, you know, we see Barry walk backstage and like, everyone is happy and celebrating. I'm not sure why they were all terrible, but <laughs> everyone is happy and celebrating and like, it becomes i think very clear to him that this is not his world yep he is on the outside looking in Mm. and that becomes very clear and he walks out and that's when he runs into sally at the edge of the stage you know talking to the gersh agent and so he's just gone through his emotions with chris he just like trashed a bunch of stuff and he's still feeling really upset He, you know, just got the, like, outsider view on the class backstage, and he runs into Sally, and this is where Sally thanks him profusely and tells him, like, you're a real actor, Mm. and he's like, I am? Um, You know, like, she's like, you're so generous, like, and, and heaps so much praise on him that when we cut away, like, when we end the episode we're not really sure what Barry's thinking. Because it, he he did, in that moment, kind of be like, I am? Like, yeah, he was taking it on
1: board. And, like, it, it, you know, he could have been so in his grief and anger and whatever's going on that he didn't even register it. But, like, it, it punctuated this, like, like we said, despair earlier, with, like, this tiny tinge of hope. Mm-hmm. And you can see, like, a glimmer. And that's just enough to keep Barry going. I know. It's very Whether troublesome. Or not he should. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I will say, like, one thing that's interesting to me, too, about, you know, Sally freaking out before Barry gets there is she approaches Natalie, and I think Antonio, and just says, like, Barry's not here. You know, she's mad at him then. Yeah. Barry's not here. Can somebody say a line? And Natalie gets to kind of stuff her a little bit and say, like, <laughs> you know basically no like in a fancier way like she can't even outright say it she's, she's just like, like
1: in italy we have a saying you make her your bed yeah
0: <laughs> so in a roundabout way she's like telling her to get stuff <laughs> but like sally can't even process that yeah she's not like oh you're right i've done this to myself by being selfish <laughs> and pushing you out of the scene and you know it's somebody else's fault
1: always yes yeah, always if it was badly someone else's fault goes well <laughs> that was on me baby yep you know it oh i was gonna ask have you wait okay so you did
0: theater in high school right yeah uh did you ever do macbeth no i did romeo and juliet okay yeah. nice. that was the closest we got to shakespeare because I'm dating myself here but baz lerman's romeo and juliet <sighs> came out while i was in high school oh, and a dream yeah so we we did that
1: <laughs> i was afraid
0: that paul rudd was in that yeah Mer- he was mercutio. paris oh he was paris yeah he oh. was paris yeah i was mercutio <laughs> you were were. You, I was. Are you really? Yeah. Oh. We didn't have enough guys interested in theater, so we did a little like uh <laughs> you just flipped it from when, we just you, when it was Shakespeare. Yeah. <laughs> in the opposite direction. Yeah. We had more women that did the theater. opposite Shakespeare,
1: spear shake. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yep. It was it was a good part though. Yeah. I mean, it's a really interesting part and um there's a really long speech that happens um that I memorized the entire thing of and then the director thought, no one wants to hear you talk for that long. <laughs> no, like it's it was fair enough. I mean, oh, okay. it's a high school Shakespeare play. No. So but we he, he edited Shakespeare. It was a she. She. Oh
1: <laughs> my my director patriarchy is also,
0: <laughs> is director is also showing. female.
1: <laughs> my patriarchy is showing.
0: Sorry. Yeah, so we, we edited it down. Yeah. <laughs> Good times. I think I have a VHS tape of that somewhere. Yes. I, I
1: have a DVD that uh, Jamie's mom sent me. So not the uh, Jamie Lynn here, but I have another Jamie, <laughs> and uh, it was from a project we did together. It was actually a project that we like, you know, met and became friends working on. Oh, yeah, it was. Uh, oh God, what is the one with like Orpheus and Eurydice? Oh, it's just Orpheus and Eurydice. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> it was like a mafia retelling of Orpheus and Eurydice. <laughs> with a fight scene and there was like was this your matron music on the soundtrack yeah <laughs> we, we thought we <laughs> were <Interesting>. little filmmakers <laughs> yeah actually, i actually have it on my facebook i can show you if you want oh my god not not you listeners but <laughs> i won't i won't release that anyway <laughs> i don't remember where i was going with that but we got i think a b-minus on it because we took too many artistic liberties Okay, so there is something in this episode that I've been waiting for for seven episodes now, right? Um. (laughs) Almost an entire season, yeah. Like we we thought maybe uh, one bobka two bobka could be the podcast name, and <laughs> we considered it. Yeah, it was it was it was a runner. It was it was in there for a second. We've eaten um, bobka while recording this podcast. Yes, I took a picture of the bobka that I was eating so that I could <laughs> use it later on social media. And then I was like, wait a second, when does this bobka thing happen? Mm-hmm. And Jamie Lynn, you were right. You know, in the very beginning, it's later. It was much later in the season. Um, I thought it was like episode one or two. But anywho. We have our bobcasine. <laughs> so, Yay! Technically, uh, we have two scenes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah, the uh, okay. So Hank has been relegated to snack duty because Goran's pissed off at him, and he he embraces it. It's like it's like when you're the snacko in a squadron, and you're just gonna be the best freaking snacko ever. <laughs>
0: Pink just has a good attitude about everything. He's also
1: so hospitable. Like, yeah, yeah exactly. He's got yep. a good attitude. He's just going to attack it. And he goes all out and he gets like a submarine sandwich and babkas or something like that. Um, anyway, picks up the babka. And here's why I'm so excited about the babka. One is it's just funny. Mm-hmm. Two is that to me, the babka is symbolic of this show. We go on. mentioned it in I think episode one or two that like this show is dense. It is rich. It is layered, and if you have too much of it at once, you're gonna feel a little bit sick.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: That was you who said that part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: and yeah, like a bobcat. Like something it's, I'd say.
1: It's like a bobcat. It's it's just got so many layers to it. It's got light. It's got dark. It's a bobcat of a show.
0: And also, cinnamon makes you sneeze. <laughs> also that. But I just think too like what's so funny to me is so we have the initial scene where Hank's like should I get one babka? Two babka? (laughs) And then there's like a callback to that when he's talking to Fuchs later and he was like I was at the supermarket trying to get a babka, well two babka and I was just like I just love how, I don't know if that was written in for him to, like, call back to doing that. (laughs) Or if he just did it and they were like, that's so adorable, please do it again. Like, but I just love it.
1: It's funny because it's, like, so hard to know and everyone on the show is so talented and committed that,
0: like, ostensibly it could be either, you know? Yeah, it totally could be. Yep. (laughs) Oh, so happy that we finally get our two babka.
1: Yes. Uh, And we will grace you with a picture of our babka that sounds dirty and i don't know why
0: also like <laughs> we didn't make the babka it's no. from like trader joe's yeah i'm so. not claiming that um i do have a very talented friend shout out to claire um who did make me a babka once ooh. um using oh, the babka. new york times recipe so if anyone is looking for a good babka recipe i highly recommend Heck the new yeah. york times recipe there's was a so show
1: good. called it's a youtube show called binging with babish Oh, yeah. And there's an episode where he makes a babka, and I think it's in reference to the Seinfeld episode with the babka. Interesting. But, yeah. We'll give you a couple of babka
0: uh, recipes. Babka, check it out. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So there's a couple of funny phone calls in this episode. The first is the call between Cristobal and Goron when Cristobal lands. That's so good. It's so good! <laughs> and I really like, too, how they're sort of layering in these similarities between mm-hmm. um, Hank and Cristobal. Yes. Um. So they both seem like super nice guys. <laughs> super nice guys. <laughs> and Goron even is just like a bit abashed because he's like, oh my god, it's I was like, like, oh, told
1: I... so nice, we were so wrong. Yeah. Like... <laughs>
0: He's like i was told i had to attack you like you get the feeling that like had goron known that he was cool like everything would have been cool <laughs> i
1: would just like love to know like what how was that pitched in the writers room like at what point did they realize they could have this conversation where they're both like being really nice to each other yeah. <laughs> and like and, and talking about the four agreements a lot <laughs> yeah and at a certain point it's not even just because goron doesn't want you know Cristobal to kill him and his men like he thinks he's a nice guy yeah He's like,
0: oh, shit, we would have done business together yeah. except for Fuchs. for Fuchs. We gotta kill Fuchs. Yeah. So, th- the outcome of this is, you know, Cristobal has to be impeccable with his word, mm-hmm. and this means war. And so, you know, Goron is like, this is Fuchs' fault, we gotta kill him. So, next we see Fuchs and Hank talking, and, you know, going off of what Cristobal says about two dead military men. <laughs> um... <laughs> You know, Hank assumes that one of them is Barry, and Mm -hmm. so he tells Fuchs. Fuchs, um, we see he's in the hotel having his breakfast or whatever like he normally does, and he, like, shoves everything off of his table onto the ground, and he seems really upset. And I just want to say that I don't think (laughs) that Fuchs was emotionally upset because of the loss of Barry, it's his I, cash cow i think he was upset about losing yeah his money-making machine
1: i think you're exactly right
0: yeah i also am just like not willing to give fuchs a lot of um benefit of the doubt at this point
1: no i i feel like the speed and the persistence with which every time barry makes it through something he turns back around and puts him in a dangerous situation yeah tells me he doesn't care about barry's life <laughs> yeah very much least so. of all his happiness
0: yeah <laughs> The last call we see is another call between Fuchs and Hank, where they're both just like reminiscing about Barry, <laughs> which is very strange to me. Like I think this is where maybe we get a little bit of emotion out of Fuchs, but it's still almost blamey. He's like, you know, like I raised him like a son. It's almost like he owes me he mm-hmm. I think he says something like now he'll never have the ch- he never had a chance to apologize to me. Oh, he really believes. He, he is so selfish. Yep. So, anyway, but we just kind of see him, like you know, in the hotel room, reminiscing about Barry. It's funny because in that conversation, you realize like two things.
1: One is that Fuchs is less of a friend than you might have ever thought. Yeah. <laughs> and two, that Hanks might
0: be more of a friend. Hank might be more of a friend than you ever thought. I think the thing is like Hank has always. Well, Hank is you know super nice guy, <laughs> and so hank has always respected barry yeah even after barry shot him literally like the day after yeah. <laughs> like they were cool hank just like you know has a lot of respect for people that's yeah. just how he rules and so even though i think he's always been a bit impressed by barry yeah um and has respect for barry and so it was just kind of like i don't know hank is just sort of a human being he's like oh it's really sad that this person i know got killed yeah Okay, so, so body count for this episode, we have two. We have Bolivian Henchman. I call him number 612 because that was the number on his <laughs> motocross bike. Um, <laughs> so RIP Bolivian Henchman. You were just doing your job. And then also we lost Chris. RIP Chris Lucado.
1: That's so sad.
0: You're, you were a real one. You were? Yeah
1: moment of silence yeah just a moment though (laughs) yeah we don't want to push out the runtime too far (laughs) yeah
0: exactly Reed, do you have a most evil guy for this episode
1: i do and like i have this like inkling that we might have the the same most evil guy probably so what if we say it on three okay okay you ready
0: one one two two, three three. (laughs) berry yes yeah i mean this is a pretty easy one yeah you know Barry, the choice was to maybe go to prison and leave Chris alive. And he chose to kill Chris. Yep. And he didn't even have Fuchs pulling his strings. Nope. That was all Barry. Yep. So Barry is for sure the most evil guy. Do we have a quote to end this <laughs> bummer do. of an episode on? <laughs> we do <laughs> Let's indeed. leave it behind us. <laughs> yeah.
1: As we wash this away, okay.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm getting out my selenite. I'm <laughs> cleansing my Cleans- chakras. <laughs> I, um... Uh, on real, <laughs> I'm doing it right now. Whitney Rose on Real Housewives of Salt Lake City does this little, like, cleansing circle thing that one of her shamans taught her. <laughs> it looks like...
1: Is this one of the steps in the hustle? <laughs> it
0: might be. I just love it. <laughs> it's great. So, so
1: um... Okay, so mine is crystal Ball. I'm not going to attempt the accent, but uh, coming to resolution on a phone call with Goron uh, that they have to be at war. You killed a bunch of my guys. Now I have to kill a bunch of your guys. You know how this shit goes.
0: And scene. This episode brought to you by Bobka. Do you have a Bolivian cartel leader coming to treat with your Chechen mafia leader? Well, you should get a Bobka.
1: Bobka. Layered, rich, dense, delicious... It's babka. Try one. Or two. Two babka.